Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Eric Hurt, and I'm here uh, to do another podcast with my good friend and partner in ministry, uh, Mike Cleveland. Mike, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing so good, Eric, and I'm so glad to be with you today, brother, and looking forward to what God will teach us in his word and how he will work in our hearts and the hearts of those who listen. Amen. And so uh, today we thought we'd go through Nahum chapter 1. And, uh, you know, it's only 15 verses long, but we don't have time to go through all the verses. But what we do have time for is to illustrate uh, the cross in this message. And that is that God was um, getting ready to destroy Nineveh for their wickedness, uh, for their sin. And yet... um, you know, he's taken uh, vengeance on his adversaries. And, uh, you know, the word says that the Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. And that the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Um, that he rebukes the seas and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers and the mountains that quake before him and the hills melt. Uh, you know, demonstrating his power. And, you know, he's, he's saying who can stand uh, before his indignation. Who can endure the heat of his anger? And Mike, we were under the same judgment uh, as Nineveh, weren't we, brother, when we were trapped in our sin and shame and the darkness thereof? Yes, you know, this is really the condition of all people by nature. Um, By nature, we are subject to the wrath of God for our sins. Um, I like that question in verse 6 of Nahum 1, who can withstand his indignation? And it, it just begs an answer, nobody. When God comes in wrath and indignation and anger because of our sins, we are not able to stand because his wrath, it says, is poured out like fire. And we are but stubble before him. Our sins have, have been the kindling of this fire that uh, wherever you find sin, Eric, you find the wrath of God. And uh, it says that he's coming to Nineveh to pour out his wrath, his fierce anger. That was our condition before God by birth. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, that we were by nature objects of wrath, just like Nineveh here. Yes, exactly. And in verse 7, he says, the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. So, you know, and we see the cross here too, don't we, brother? That, uh, you know, that the wrath of God is coming for his enemies. Uh, but also we see that, uh, that he is the stronghold and we can take refuge in him. And, uh, you know, but verse eight continues, it says, but with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of his adversaries and will pursue his enemies uh, into darkness. Now, this is just uh, the Lord, uh, like you said, brother, his fire and his anger against sin. And this is the wrath uh, that he was coming after us with, brother. And uh, that is a scary thought to think about, isn't it? It is scary. 
And, and that's what puts the fear of God in people when they know that their sins are like a magnet that draws the wrath of God. And it's described in two ways in this passage, fire and flood. And we see both of those in, for example, in Genesis 5, uh, about the flood that covered the whole earth. It was the flood of God's wrath. And then in Sodom and Gomorrah, we see the fire that destroyed those cities. Um, fire and flood, these are symbols of judgment. And God is coming now to judge Nineveh. And we should just put ourselves in this story, Eric. We were the object of God's wrath. We were um, the the magnet that drew his anger because of our sins. Um, this is not a very pretty picture. And it, it, you know, it's not live your best life now. No, you're under God's wrath. You're under the curse of the law. You are separated from God. You're separated from the head by nature and by birth. And so this is a, a proper uh, description of our condition before a holy God who also demands that we be holy. Mm. His law requires our perfection, brother, and I haven't come anywhere close. I've done nothing but sin and thumb my nose in his face. And so I'm deserving of the wrath, the anger, the fire, and the flood of God. Mm. Amen. That's very well said. That's just rejoicing as you were talking about that and um, just uh, praising the Lord in my own heart uh, for this freedom that he's given us, that that his anger, in fact, didn't make it uh, as far as it should have. In other words, it didn't land on us. And um, in verse 12, it says, this is what the Lord says. Although they have allies and are numerous, they will be destroyed and pass away. Although I have afflicted uh, you, Judah, I will afflict you no more. So, uh, you know, we see the cross here, brother, don't we? We see that the allies are numerous, uh, but they will be destroyed and pass away, just like Jesus triumphed over the, uh, over the enemy and made a public display and spectacle of him, um, and that we will not be afflicted no more. Why? Why will we not be afflicted, brother? Because the cross is the place where Jesus stepped in and hung in our place. Uh, the cross is the place where uh, he entered into the darkness to pursue his enemies. But then at the cross, he, he, he did both. He pursued his enemies into the darkness and then drew them out. And, and just, it's incredible to think that he would do such a thing for us, that he would love us all the way to, to go into the darkness himself on the cross, uh, that he would lift us out of it, uh, that he would, that sin would be judged in his own flesh. And uh, so just uh, remarkable to think that the cross is both victory for one and, and um, you know, like we talked about wrath and, um, you know, for the adversary. It is. Um, this whole passage, Eric, is a description of God pouring out wrath. Well, what happened at the cross was God poured out his wrath. Jesus became the magnet for God's wrath. Jesus stepped in front of the flood and was baptized, was consumed in it. He, you can see uh, pictures of that. If you look in verse 10, when God was going to pour out his wrath on, um, what was the name of the city? Uh, Nineveh, sorry. Yes. Uh, it says that they, that they would be entangled among thorns. Hmm. You know, and, and here you see Jesus wearing a crown of thorns. 
um, you see that God would come to them in the darkness and pursue them. And here Jesus hung on the cross for three hours. It was, it was pitch black. It was midnight at midday. And he was entangled among thorns. Why? Because God is flooding him with wrath. God is consuming him as if Jesus were dry stubble. And the fire of God's wrath just ignited on him. And Eric, he was consumed for you and I, brother. He died under the wrath of God. And the reason he did that is to remove it from us, to set us free from God's wrath, to make us to be acceptable to God as if we had no sin. And the reality is we have no sin because Jesus removed it from us and died under this this horrible fire and flood of God's wrath in our place, brother. Isn't that good news? Oh, boy, it really is good news, brother. And that's why I love uh, what verse 13 says. And uh, we'll get to it in just a second. But looking to the cross and believing that message, brother, that he took it all from us, that he, he became the object of God's wrath for us, uh, you know, took on human flesh and bone and hung for us completed, finished. It, it is, it is, it's over. It's done. We look there, brother, and we see in verse 10, now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. This is what happens when we look to the cross and believe this incredible message that he took our place and, and that he destroyed the sin that has held us captive and uh, had a yoke around our neck for so long and the shackles that we didn't have the strength to tear apart, nor did anyone else. Steps couldn't help us, you know, and recovery groups couldn't help us because uh, those things can't tear shackles. They can't cut iron bars. Uh, they can't set captives free. But Jesus did when he was nailed to the tree for us. He, his body was broken so, so that the yoke could be broken off our neck. And his hands were pierced and nailed, and so the shackles uh, would fall away and fall off of us. And like you said, brother, this is good news. It is. Um, if you look at the at verse fifteen here, and, and remember the context and the in the setting of this chapter, which is God coming to destroy in wrath, and people might just say, "Wow, there's there's." Absolutely no good news to be found. I'm hopeless and I'm desperate. But look at verse 15. Look, turn your eyes, focus on, look, there on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Eric, we're told here to look, and we're told to look to the mountains, and there will we, we will see the feet of one. Not many, not soldiers, not an army, but at the feet of one. Why are we to look at his feet? Eric, they were pierced for our transgressions. This one who brings good news on the mountain was wounded for our transgressions. And he brings us good news that we are forgiven and we are free and we are reconciled to God. And we're made new in the attitude of our minds and our hearts are made new. This is such good news set right in the, the setting of horrible wrath and judgment and destruction. And you see, Jesus took our wrath and he was judged in our place and he was destroyed. 
he was covered over in the flood of God's wrath. Remember in Genesis uh, 5 through 8, where it talks about the flood? It says the earth was covered to a depth of more than 20 feet. Well, Jesus here was flooded with God's wrath, and he was buried in it. And why? Because he's bringing us good news of our justification, of our being made right with God, of our being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And Eric, he proclaims peace. Brother, how does he do that? How does Jesus proclaim peace to you? Well, everything that you said, brother, and for those that are listening right now, just as Mike said, look, look there on the mountains, on the mountains, the feet of one. I love that how you said that, brother. That was just so awesome. The feet of one who brings good news and who proclaims peace. Because when all of these things are taking, taken off you, which they were, and me and Mike and others, all the sin and all the weight of all that Jesus bore on the cross for us, when all of this is removed from you and you see that you are clothed, you are robed, you are cared for, when you see Jesus' arms stretched out on the cross for you, not only for you, but stretched out to you, loving you, forgiving you, not counting your sin against you. Brother, this brings such peace to your own heart because before you were absolutely hopeless that you would ever be free from these sins that entangle us so much, that keep us held in this bondage. And so, yes, this is good news. Uh, this is how peace is proclaimed, that through his death and through his resurrection, uh, you and your life follow Christ to the grave. But if you follow him to the grave, that means you've been crucified. And then you shall raise. If we've been crucified with him, brother, then we shall certainly, certainly join him in his resurrection, uh, which means that our desires are changing which means that we have the opportunity and the ability to love like we didn't before when we were trapped in our chains and in our prison. And this, is, this brings great hope. This brings, this is wonderful peace. And, you know, it is just tremendous to be able to experience this new powerful life uh, because of the one who went up on the mountain. You know, I, I was just sitting there, worshiping as you were talking, my heart being so affected by what you just said there. Um, you know, you look at what it took for Jesus to bring peace to you and I. It's as if God declared war on his own son. He pummeled him. He flooded him. He consumed him in the fire of his wrath. All that you and I might have peace and you know, Eric, when Jesus came to the disciples in the upper room after his resurrection, he said to them, peace be among you. And the very next thing he did is showed them his hands and his feet. It's as if he's saying, look on the mountains, look at the feet of one who brings good news. I'm sorry, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them his wounds, in other words. And so he was connecting his, their peace with his wounds. And just as it does here, look, there on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Why? Because Jesus fought the war for us, to win the battle for us, to bring us peace with God. And Eric, when you have peace with God, everything else in your life is at peace, isn't it? 
It really is, yes. And everything uh, changes and everything begins to change, change, even if it is slowly, which it is slowly. Uh, you know, the work of the cross works slowly in your heart. And when you begin to have peace in your heart, uh, when you're not hiding and lying and cheating and, uh, you know, covering your tracks uh, because your desires are changing and becoming new, boy, what a tremendous relief that is to be walking in this new life, resurrected as a new creation. And it brings tremendous peace and, you know, and love into your heart and restoration to your marriage if you're married and restoration to other relationships. And there's so much that happens at the cross. You know, many come to setting captives free thinking that they're going to be free from just weight loss or free from just impurity or free from just depression. Now, why am I saying it like that? Why am I saying just weight loss and just impurity and just uh, depression? Because it frees us from every sin. It frees us from everything. There's things in our life that we don't even see uh, that Christ paid the price to deliver us from. It affects, the cross affects every single uh, aspect of your life, uh, you know, and uh, so it is just every area of life becomes peaceful, uh, you know, and it's just such wonderful good news, brother. And, you know, someone's listening, uh, Mike, and needs this encouragement today. They need to look there on the mountain, uh, the feet of the one, Jesus Christ, who brings good news, who brought the ultimate sacrifice, who was sacrificed once uh, to deliver those in bondage and cleanse them with his own blood. And brother, would you encourage somebody today to look there, to be set free there, and then pray for us? Yes, indeed. Um, Colossians 1 verses 19 and 20, it talks about Jesus and says, through him to reconcile to himself, God, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Eric, Jesus made peace. He made it for you. He made it for the listener. If you're here today and your life is in shambles, you're you're at odds with God and yourself and others where everything is, it feels like a war inside yourself or like a storm is going on. Right now, God has told you, look there on the mountain. Just turn your eyes to the mountain of Calvary and look at the feet of one who was pierced for you. Just look at the, the remnants. Look at the proof of his love for you. Look at how he took the arrows of God's wrath from you. Look how he suffered in your, in your place to bring you this good news. And this passage in Nahum chapter 1 gives us our response to the cross of Christ. Celebrate your festivals. Eric, we're to have a party, man. We're to celebrate this good news that has set us free, this good news that has brought peace where there was a storm, Amen. this good news that has reconciled us to God and made us at peace with him by removing our sin and nailing it to the cross. If you're listening today and your life is a storm, your life is a, is a battle, look to the mountain of Calvary and see Jesus making peace for you. See his feet, that is, see the proof that you have peace with God because those feet 
are scarred and they they are the scars of love friend just look there and you'll see what i mean don't just look at his feet look at his eyes look look how he loves you and receive this good news and live your life as a perpetual celebration from now on let's pray father in heaven we come to you and are so grateful to have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus cross. Lord, we see that he took our sin away. We see that he suffered in our place. We see that he made us righteous by taking on all our sin. We see that he has become for us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification, where he has become all our all in all, where he has become our peace with you. Lord, thank you for, in a sense, declaring war on him, flooding him with your wrath, removing our sin from us in the process. And I just pray for this one listening right now who wants desperately to receive your peace. Lord, help them to turn and look at Calvary, to see that they took Jesus up that hill, that they, they, they took him to that cross, they nailed nails in his hands and feet and shoved a crown of thorns on his head. And yet he offered his back to those who would hit it, to his cheek, to those who would strike him. He offered his beard to be plucked out for us. And he was a sight that no man could recognize. Lord, because he was making peace. And I thank you for that. And I thank you right now that we can have peace. And I pray for this one who has now turned and looked to the cross. Lord, please help them throughout the rest of their lives to celebrate the festival, to rejoice in the death of Jesus, to carry around in their body the death of Jesus, that the resurrection of Christ might be manifest in them. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.